Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are starting a new series. Uh, as Zach said, our new series is called Thanksgiving. And our series is a really important one because it deals with a really important topic. And one of the things that we're speaking about today is money. Money's important, and at least it was to Jesus. I don't know if you guys would be aware of this, but Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven. He spoke about money more than he spoke about hell. Isn't that amazing? In fact, of the 39 parables that Jesus gave, 11 had to do with money. It must have been something very important to him. And if you look at the Gospel of Luke and you start to flick through, I think money is nearly on every single page. One of the things that stands out to me is that God cares a lot about what we do with what we have, right? So we're calling the series Thanksgiving. Here's where I want to launch this message from. For me personally, I am so thankful to God for everything that He's done in my life. I really mean it. I am so thankful for God's love. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that He made a way for me and you where there was no way. There was no way that we could save ourselves. And yet God loved the world so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to come and die on the cross and pay the penalty for sin. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm thankful that I have a Father in heaven. And all of that thankfulness actually goes somewhere. You know, have you ever heard, um, you know, gratitude is an attitude? Well, I think it's more than that. I think that when we're really grateful, we don't just speak about it, but there's something to show for it as well. And that's really what this series is all about. It's about not just having an attitude of gratitude, but having some fruit that matches that attitude. Does that make sense? Right. So I'm going to ask you guys a question and it's it's going to come across as a weird question, but go with me because it's going somewhere. Okay. If I was to ask you today to rank in order which of these things is like the worst to the least worst and you had to rank them in order if i said to you what's worse um either having having an affair or killing jesus or being tight-fisted with your money and holding on to it what would you say yes it's killing jesus there you go that's great (laughs) Tristan, I thank you for that because everyone else was like, I don't know, man, it's real hard, you know. It's, you know, like, could we, could we agree together that killing Jesus is pretty bad? You know, so like, what do we do? We, we look at things in the world and we have like a natural sort of bent in how we look at what's really bad and what's least bad. And so for us as human beings, uh, we need to orientate ourselves around how God thinks and how God sees the world, right? So that's one of the things that we're meant to do. So when I ask that question, it doesn't seem like it should be a hard question. We probably go, yeah, killing Jesus, then probably having an affair. Uh, And then, you know, on a distant, distant page, like somewhere, like pages, pages, pages over, we're going to put holding on to your money because that's not really that bad. It's like, you know, but yeah, sure, it's not that great, which is interesting, which is interesting. Because if you read the Gospels, there is a woman who's caught in the act of adultery in the act. And the Pharisees come, the religious leaders, and they throw at Jesus' feet, 
and he doesn't condemn her. He forgives her and says, go and sin no more. And then if you read in the book of Acts, the same people that were condemning, condemning Jesus and saying, crucify him, he forgives them all. Which leads me to the last one. While Jesus was alive, he told a parable about three stewards and one of the stewards held on to what he had and it did not go well for him. It did not go well. So my point is we don't necessarily see things the way that God sees them. I tell this story because it helps to orientate our minds around how God sees things. I actually want to tell you that story. I'm going to read it to you. Not the whole thing, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a summary and, and just introduce that parable to you. It's a parable by Jesus. And the, and the story is of three stewards. So Jesus comes and he, 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 he's the master in this story anyway, just you know to let you know. And he says, a master came and at the end of uh, their lives, he comes back to these three stewards to see what they've done with what he gave to them. Now, he gave them different amounts. So one of the stewards had five talents. One talent is about 75 pounds. So 75 pounds of what? I don't know, but Jesus calls it money at some point. I don't know how much 75 pounds of money is, but anyway, that's what the story says. So 75 pounds, but he's got five of them. A guy gets five, another guy gets two, the last guy gets one. He comes to the first two and says, hey, what did you do with it? And they say, look, you gave me five, here's five more. So he gets it together. He gives everything back. He's produced 10. And he says, you're amazing. And he comes to the next guy and he goes, all right, you gave me two. Here's another two in addition to the two that you gave me. Here's four. He's like, you're amazing. Enter into the joy of your master. He comes to the last guy and he says, hey, what did you do with the one talent that I gave to you? And that guy has an interaction with his master at that point. Now, this whole story is under the guise of the master coming back to settle the accounts. And it's important that we understand that because when we know that the account needed to be settled, it teaches us that they knew that they were meant to do something with what they have. Make sense? All right. So let's read it to you right now. Matthew chapter 24 verse uh, 25 verse 24 says, He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, and reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked, which means evil and slothful servant. The word slothful there, the root word, it means to hesitate or delay. In other words, here is a steward who was made aware that he needed to do something with what was given to him, but he just kept hesitating. It's not the right time. It's not the right season. I'll do it one day. He kept delaying and delaying. And you know what? If you keep delaying, you become slothful. And this is the word that he uses here. You slothful servant. He says, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and, my, and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. That's interesting. He says it still, it belongs to me. Verse 28. So take the talent from him who has it and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Now, this is really interesting because our culture would say that's terrible. You know, people are always going for equality. Hey, no, no, no. At least let the guy have one. Why, why take the rich guy and give him more and take from the guy who has one? But let's remember, this is Jesus taking from the guy who only has one and giving to the guy that has 10. Why does God do this? 
Well, he's saying, you know, he has a vested interest in getting that money to be used for a good purpose. It needs to get where it's going. So if it goes to someone who refuses to do anything with it, God says, take it from him, give it to the guy who's going to get it where it needs to go. Make sense? He says, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless, which means unprofitable, servant into the outer darkness. I read eight commentaries just to make sure that the words outer darkness mean what I thought they mean. And they do. It means hell. So take that worthless, unprofitable servant, cast him into the outer darkness. Uh, it says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping is a response from someone who finds themselves in the outer darkness. And the response at that pl- point is grief. Like, I wish I could go back. I wish that I could get a do-over. I, I'm so sorry for how I spent my life. I wish I could change it. The other response that some people are going to have when they get to the outer darkness is absolute fury with God. Like still angry with him saying, how dare you expect that I should give you anything, right? They still, they will go to that place still being angry from God. And I mean, they'll be separated from him forever. Now, this is a parable Parables have one point. It's not an allegory. We might want to pull 50 points out of this passage, but they really have one point. Now, there's a few confusing things here in the end about the out of darkness and the weeping and the gnashing and the, you know, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to get to that. But before I get to that, I want to give you the main idea here. And the main idea is that you are eternally accountable for what you do with your earthly wealth. Does that make sense? You, are, you will be held eternally accountable for what you do with your earthly wealth. So money is not spiritual. It's physical. Well, it's probably digital, actually. But, it's, uh, but, but you know, back in the 80s, no, it, money is physical. But what you do with it is spiritual. Why are we doing this series? Because what you do with your money is spiritual. And there will come a point where God will settle accounts. What, is, what does that mean? Well, we're going to figure that out. So money is spiritual. This is a spiritual series. Money is spiritual. But what or how we think about it uh, doesn't always necessarily line up with what God says about it. We don't always think about money being spiritual. So what people will do sometimes, and I get it, is that they will silo their life. So my spiritual life is over here. This is where I house my small group. This is where I worship my church. All my spiritual stuff is over here. But that's got nothing to do with my wealth or my income. Those are totally separate things. I've got my my money over here and I've got my spiritual life over here. And if you got anything out of the parable that Jesus shared, He's saying there's not two things here, just one. We've just got the one space and we've got to figure this, this thing out. I'm going to say something right now. Some of you are going to get it. If you're a parent of a teenager, you're really going to get this. You may not know what I'm talking about, but my kids have had this obsession with this drink called Prime. <laughs> Any parents know what I'm talking about? Just a few. All right, so let me explain it then for everyone else. It's just a drink. 
but there's a YouTuber who is behind this drink. And, and teenagers are going bananas for this drink called Prime. My kids are always like, Dad, can we get Prime? Can we get Prime? Now, <laughs> this is a true story. As I was writing this message, at the exact moment where I thought, oh, I'll add in the part about Prime. My daughter walks in and goes, Dad, can we go to Woolies and get some Prime? I said, are you kidding me? That's a, that's a true story. Every time we go to Woolies, we've got to go down the aisle and see if there's any Prime. There's never any Prime. You know why? Because everyone, all the teenagers are buying it. It's not even good for you. And they're buying it. It's off the shelves. But one morning, we're walking through Woolies and there was a full stack of Prime. And they looked at me, they're like, Dad, it's like the planets have aligned. Dad, can we please have some? And I don't really want to buy it from them because I know it's not good, but I said, all right, since it's here and we've never seen it, just this once, we'll buy it. Now, people are buying this stuff and selling it on Facebook Marketplace for like four times the amount. And, and people are actually buying it. So I don't get the craze with it, but now they had this liquid gold called Prime. And they took it home and it was so precious to them that they had to savor it. So they start sipping it, you know, 10 mils at a time. And they're sipping it like it's some kind of amazing drink. Oh, wow, 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 wow. So anyway, they didn't want to finish it all in one hit. So about a week later, I opened the fridge and I see these bottles of Prime, only about a quarter going. I thought that's interesting. So I looked at the back and it said, uh, you must consume this within four days. So I looked at it, I said, hey guys, I said, you, you've been holding on to this for too long. I said, you can't even have it anymore. It's wasted because it was so important to you and now it's gone. Like you can't even have it. They were devastated. Can we get some more? No, right? Now I get, <laughs> I get, I get it. You know, I was one of those kids. They probably got this from me. I was one of those kids where at Easter time, I would get all my Easter eggs. I didn't eat them all on the same day. It'd be like four months later and I'm still pulling out eggs, you know, and I'm, and I'm eating them. But every now and then, I would just have something that I held on to for too long and I'm really excited about it, like some elegant rabbit. And I, I start to take the foil off and it's all gone white. And when it goes white, you know you've held it too long. And people will say, oh, you can still eat it. But I'm like, I'm not that desperate. It looks wrong. I'm not going to eat it. So I held onto it for too long and then it was wasted. Guys, we can hold on to all of our, our, our money, our wealth. We can hold on to it and waste the opportunity to do something significant with it. We can easily do it. So here's my question to you. At the end of your life, you're going to face your maker. And when you do, he's going to settle accounts. And when he settles accounts, one of the things he's going to ask you is what did you do with what I gave to you? Now, as Christians, one of the things that we see is that we have been created for such a time as this. I believe it's no accident that you live where you do, your family, your upbringing. So you are wherever you are and what you've got, we see as it coming from God. So he's already going to say to you, what are you going to do with what I gave to you? This is exactly the parable that we're reading right now. We know that he's going to ask us that question. And when that question is asked, we're going to have to settle an account. So what does it mean to settle an account? Because when I read the parable, the guy that didn't do it very well ended up in the outer darkness in weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let me explain this. 
We believe the gospel of God works like this. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. You can't add any works to it. You can't purchase this. You can't give enough money to enough causes on planet earth to buy your way into heaven. One time, a guy tried to buy a spiritual gift by offering the disciples money. They said, you're crazy and it's not gonna end well for you either. So my point is there is nothing you can add to your salvation, okay? So the good news is, is that you're saved by grace, but you're still going to have to give an account. So if we were to just take that at face value and say, hey, guess what, guys? You're saved. You're going to get into heaven if you've got a relationship with Jesus. You are going to get into heaven and live with God in eternity. So who cares what you do with your money? Well, Jesus does. Remember, that's why he spoke so much about it. Jesus cares. What does he care? It's got less to do with your money and more to do with your heart. Why does Jesus care? Well, maybe because you could have given your earthly wealth kingdom purpose. And you missed the opportunity. And you got to remember, you're speaking to someone who cares so much about this cause that when it came time for him to give, he laid down his life. So when we compare what we give to what he gave, it's, it's not even close. So we're going to face him. He say, I gave everything to this. How did you go? And it's, that's when you've got to settle that account. All right, fine. So Jesus cares, right? Can we agree on that? Okay, we agree. Jesus cares. Does anybody else care? Well, Yeah people who don't know him that also have to settle their accounts with God. But because the kingdom was under-resourced because there was an opportunity that, that was missed to give your earthly wealth kingdom purpose, they didn't actually get to hear that message. Now you can go do the research yourself. But when God's church, when the house of God is funded well, it can reach further and it can do more. Go and look at it yourself. So, but but that's, that's how that works. So, you know, w- you, you would know this anyway. Like, how can missionaries go unless somebody sends them? And how are they sent? How does that work? So it might be a parachurch organization. It might be missionaries. It could be just church in general. But, but you know, that stuff requires funding. Now, I understand that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But have you noticed how he often wants to work through us? That's the parable of the steward. He's, I, I gave it to you. What did you do with it? Okay, that's, that's how that works. So now we go, all right, who cares? Jesus and definitely people that don't know Jesus who in the end have to settle up their accounts. Does anybody else care? Yes. One really important person, you. You will care. You will care because there is an eternal reward that's proportionate to your temporal investment. There is an eternal reward that's proportionate to your temporal investment. Now, guys, everyone gets into heaven, but not everyone gets rewarded the same way when you go in. Does that make sense? So eventually, at some point, you're going to care about that. And just so we're clear, and I don't want to oversell it, but in 80 billion years when you're reflecting on the the mist and the vapor that we called life 
there's probably two guys up there going, gosh, do you remember Earth? Oh my gosh, barely, but yeah, man, that was, that was a long time ago, right? Like, oh, it's going to be like, it was nothing. And I wonder if that, at that point, 80 billion years into eternity, and I'm, I mean, 80 billion years, are you kidding me? It's actually longer than that. It's forever. It hurts your brain, doesn't it? <laughs> right? But, but that far into the future, would you look back on this time and say, man, if, I, if only I had have known that all this would be here and this is the difference it would make, I would have done more. I wish that I could have done more. You know, we, we have multiple things that we can sacrifice. We have uh, time, we have talent, we have treasure. Your treasure is like w- just one third of the things that you can give. But when you are truly thankful to God, you give all of it or any of it with, without hesitation because you, you love him. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for he'll either hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We are meaning makers. We give stuff meaning. In the world, there's just stuff. We ascribe meaning to it. You could do it with anything. We can give meaning to cars. We can give meaning to houses. We can give meaning to clothes. We can give meaning to coffee. We can give meaning to all of those things. And we do it all the time. So once we give something meaning... What we'll often do is tell a story to ourselves to help us feel comfortable about how much meaning we give that thing in our life. Okay, let me give you an example of this. There would be some people that would say, man, I need a coffee. I need a coffee. I need it. I need it. I need a latte. I need a soy flat white. I need a macchiato. I need a long black, right? I'm just connecting with everybody in the room. Some of you are like, I'm not a hot drink person. We don't know what to do with you. So <laughs> I need it. So, so that's the need. You ascribe meaning to it. Here's the story you tell yourself. I need a coffee because that's the one little treat I give myself. Yep, I've heard that a thousand times. That's my one little thing. So that's the thing that I have. There's the need and then there's the meaning. So someone says, I need a coffee because it's my one thing. Listen, don't feel judged. You are my people, all right? <laughs> I am with you. I sit with you going, I understand you. I get you. So we're the same, all right? I, I get that. But it does get a bit weird if we start ascribing meaning to things that is disproportionate. So what if I said to you, or what if you said to someone, I need a new pair of jeans, that's the need, because the ones that I currently have are out of season. If that's what you want to tell yourself, yeah, okay. You know, but there'd be plenty of people that do tell themselves that story. I have to buy this season because, because my pants from last season are out. So I need it. It's like, well, do you need it? I don't know. But it's not that expensive. I guess you could get there if, if you need it. Sure. What if someone said, I need Mercedes AMG, right? Because people will respect me more and I will look successful. And you'd be like, I feel like you're actually stretching it too far now. (laughs) I I get that you think that you need that, but I don't know if anybody really needs that. Like, and you're telling yourself 
that you'll get more respect if you have that. I don't know. I just feel like people would respect you because of your character and the way that you treat them. I don't think you need that AMG to make people respect you, right? And, and there, there comes a tipping point where we say, well, the story doesn't really quite match the, the level of authority or the meaning that you're giving something in your life. Now, guys, remember, it's all about percentage and, and it's, it's, this is how this stuff works, right? It's all about percentage. So if a millionaire buys, for example, an AMG, right? They hardly notice it from their bank account. Like, and not, not a big deal. But let's say you take someone that really is desperate for that respect, so buys something that they cannot afford because of the story that they tell themselves. Now they have become what? A bad steward. And that is what God cares about. He cares about people's stewardship. He cares about it. So even when we read the parable of the three stewards, didn't that last guy, didn't he have a story? He had a story. Oh, I knew you to be a hard man gathering where you haven't sown, you know, and, and he had a story and he told himself that story so he could be comfortable with what he did. People do this all the time. Now, look, I don't know what you personally need in your life. And there's no way that I would feel comfortable saying, you don't need this or that. Only you will truly know what you need. But here's what I think we need. We need strong churches. We need to do everything we can in the season of life that we have with the opportunity that God has given to us to build the kingdom of God and take it as far as we can. And I think we need to make sure that we don't leave the establishing of the kingdom of God to future generations because we just said too bad. I think what we need to do is advance the kingdom of God. Because let me explain something. If we think that in today's culture, it's hard to buy land as a church or buy a building and, and, and put a stake in the ground and get a permit from an increasingly secular culture and community, in 10 years, it's going to be harder. In 50 years, it's going to be harder. This is what's going to happen. And I think for us, if we're going to, what do we need? We need to leave a legacy to future generations so that they don't have to take on the fight that we should have fought for in our own time with the opportunity that we had. That's, that, that's what I think that we need. I think we need that. So let me ask you a question. Are you sure that you're not giving something in your life too much meaning and telling yourself a story so that you can be comfortable with it? Are you sure that the things that you are giving meaning to in life, what you think you really need, are you sure, are you sure that you're not giving too much meaning to material stuff that is here one minute and is just going to end up in the junkyard of the future? Are you sure? And if your answer today was, yes, well, there may be some things in my life that I'm giving too much meaning to. If your answer is maybe or sure, then you are being a bad steward. And God takes that really seriously. But the good news is that you can change that and it all begins with your heart. Here's a cool idea. I say this most years, but I think you should go back and do it again. There's a great website you can go to. It's called howrichamai.com. You go to that website and they keep all of this information up to date. 
You select the country from your fr that you're from, and then you put in your annual income. And it will tell you how you rank compared to the world's wealth because what most people do is just compare themselves to richer people and then feel like they're poor. So rather than doing that, let's compare you to the actual world. Now, if you live in Australia and you earn $50,000, you are in the top 3.5% of earners globally. And in fact, you could give sacrifice and lay down 16% of your income and you'd still be in the top 5%. That's if you earn $50,000. If you earn more than $50,000 in Australia, you are considerably above that. But most people don't really feel like that because most people will just compare themselves to people with more and then they tell themselves that they have less. It's interesting. If you're not giving anything to God, you might, might, I just want to make sure we get this. Everyone say might. might. You might have money as your master. If you're not giving anything to God, you might. I'm not saying you do, but it's possible. You might have money as your master, but it's very hard to tell because as long as I've been alive, I have never seen anybody say, I worship money. No one says that. No one does that. No one takes a little note, puts it down and worships it. No one does that. So they say, oh, that's not me. That's somebody else. But money is seductive because money becomes the way that we buy the stuff that we want. So you would never necessarily identify money as the object of your worship. You just know that there's stuff that really matters to you and there's stuff that you really want to get and there's stuff that you have a real desire for. Money is how you get all of that stuff. So if you just step back for a moment and say, what am I giving to God? What am I giving to myself? And where does my money go? And if it all goes to the stuff that you want, it's possible that money is actually your master. And it was just hidden from you. It's amazing how seductive it is. It's funny how stuff can just get into your heart and you really want it. When we were in COVID season, I bought a home gym because I thought, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going back to a gym. I, uh, I'm going to get a gym. I'm going to put it in my garage. This is what I do from now on. Well, that gym is currently in a container because we're trying to build a house at the moment. So, so I've got nothing. So it was back to the gym and I discovered the beauty of having cable machines all over again. And I thought, man, you know what I need? <laughs> I need cables, right? How am I supposed to do my triceps? Without a, ca I can't, I can't, I can't live like this. I, I need, you know what I need? I need to buy a new home gym. That's what I really need. So I started doing some research. It's funny how stuff gets into your heart. I started doing some research and I'm trying to find the perfect home gym. And the good news is guys, I found it. I found it and there was a guy that was actually selling it. It was very hard to get this machine in Australia, but I found the guy with it and I called him up and guess what? As luck would have it, they were actually moving premises and he had a floor stock model. And I said to him, what are you doing with that floor stock model? He says, tell you what, mate, I'll give you a big discount and you can buy it. Now guys, it was expensive, right? And I'm like, okay. And I, and I, I had the whole thing set up. So I went to Pastor Sarah and I said, sweetheart, I want to buy this home gym. What do you think about this? You can use it too. 
You notice how you start to sell the features? It's got cables. So I said, hey, how do you feel about me buying this new home gym? And like an absolute boss, she said to me, okay. She said, I'm, I'm not saying no, but we do have some things that we're going to need to put in our house when it eventually gets built. So what I want you to do is I want you to do a budget and I want you to add up how much it's going to cost to put in, you know, like curtains in the bedroom fences that need to go around our property. Um, just, just basic landscaping. Um, there's a lot of stuff, guys, that, that needs to go in. She said, I want you to do a budget, and, and then you tell me if we can afford it. About 30 seconds into that budget, I said, this is insane. I don't know what happened to me. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> this thing got inside my heart. I repent. I ask for forgiveness. You know, like, that was ridiculous. We were never going to buy that. We're never going to be able to afford that, right? Crazy, crazy, crazy. But in that moment, I thought, man, I need this. You know what, guys? Turns out, I don't need it. I, I actually don't need it. It's amazing how we think we need things. Even though I thought I needed that gym, here's one thing that I knew no matter what that I was never going to negotiate with. And I'll be totally honest with you. It was the money that we were putting aside for our miracle offering. I could have taken that money and bought that gym outright and still had change. And I refused to touch that. You know why? Because I know what this region needs. I know what the people that don't know Jesus need. And that has my heart. Yeah, more than anything else. It really does. I found out recently that they were speaking about this at youth. You guys are talking about it. It's awesome. I didn't know that. So I picked up Judah from youth on Friday night. And he said, oh, we were talking about the miracle offering and you know, they were just saying, hey, if you can contribute, that'd be really great. And I hadn't spoken to Judah about it. So I said to him, what are you going to do? Are you going to give? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what are you going to give? And he said, oh, Dad, I'm going to empty my bank account. And I was like, oh, man. Like, he's, he's going to give 100% of what he has. And I said, hey, do you mind if I share that? Because I'm actually inspired by that myself. And he said, yeah, you can. He, he's going to give everything because he's got vision. He, he can see what's coming down the line. I, I can see what's coming down the line. When we get to the end of our life and we settle accounts, I want to be able to look at God and say, I did everything I could with everything that you gave me. If you're spending everything on you, what are you sowing into the kingdom? Because there's a question that's coming, a settling of accounts. And Jesus said, you'll either love God and give away money, or you'll love money and you'll give away God. It just depends on your master. So, to me, the gospel means so much. It really does. I was thinking about this last night. Almost exactly 20 years ago to this moment, I could take you to the exact spot on the road where I prayed this prayer. I prayed a lot of prayers over my life, but you know, some just stick out. Do you notice that? I never forgot this one. And so for me, 
when I prayed this prayer, my life was a bit of a mess. I mean, I knew that I was going to heaven. I knew that I had a a future with God, but I just made a mess of the decisions in my life. And even though you're forgiven by God, you still have to deal with the consequences of the mistakes that you make. And I was just in that phase. And as I was driving, I remember I said to God, Lord, if you can save me, you can have me. If you can save me, you can have me. And when I said that, I meant save me from my poor choices. Save me from the life that I've got. I'm not living how I want to live. But if you can change my life, if you can save me, you can have me. And that, that have me, God knew what that meant. It meant everything. I meant in that moment, Lord, I will give you all of my time. What do you want? I don't care. I remember I was so open-handed with God that day. I said, Lord, I'll give you anything that you want. You want me to go to Bible college? I'm there. You want me to give you my time? I'll give it to you. When it came to talents, in all honesty, I thought, I don't have any talents, but I'll tell you what, I'll just give you my life. And if you can do anything with me, it's all yours. And when it came to my money, it was exactly the same. I said, God, what do you want from me? I give you everything. That's what I meant. I give you everything. I'm so grateful for what you've done in me. I will give you absolutely everything. And for the last 20 years, I've made good on that promise. When I said that, I really meant it. And for the last 20 years, if God ever asks anything of me, you know what I, you know what I would want to do? is just yield every single time. God, it's yours. It doesn't matter. What, what would you ask of me? Whatever you ask, it, it's yours. That right there is thanks giving. It's because I'm so thankful that I give anything and everything that I have. That is thanksgiving. Can you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.